Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Into the Spotlight. I'm Morley. And I'm Ryan. And we're back. We are back. It has been a hot second since we've podcasted, and you can tell because we're already interrupting each other. We're, <laughs> we're a little out of sync. We're out of shape, but that's that's the point of the follow. That's you know, that's why we're here. And we're here to get just you know, here, get back get into right the swing of things. It. Yeah. My gosh, it's good to see you again. It's good to see Justin, our new guest. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's exciting. I, it's exciting. I was saying before we hit record, um I was I was very busy throughout the summer with camp and then trying to make stuff and make videos in the meantime. And I felt kind of bad because I wasn't thinking about the podcast very much and thinking about guests and stuff. But it seems like you also had a very busy summer. So I I don't feel too, too guilty that I let it slide a little bit. (laughs) I mean, I mean, it's, it's okay. I mean, I felt bad too. I woke up like, like certain days thinking, oh my gosh, like we're letting this like, you know, slide off, you know, don't want to lose like the magic or anything. So but no, it was an eventful summer. Got a new job. A lot of uh, you know big change that comes with that. So that you know getting settled into that has been going well. And yeah, like this summer, the summer is a funny time, right? Because everyone's out and they're doing things. Especially this summer compared to last summer, a lot more people were just so dead set on just going out and doing things. And that's kind of like what I did as well. Like I did a lot of nature photography and hiking and. I think I've done every mountain and hiking trail in my region <laughs> like this past summer. So that's been fun. Nice. And I tried to have like a very kind of like Hemingway type of summer where I just wanted to write every weekend and, you know, wake up early and have like as take advantage of like the sunny days as much as possible. I feel like I did that. So it's, you know, certainly uh, not gone to waste. But yeah, at least now, you know, we're back on the podcast train and I'm excited for what's ahead. Really, really am. Me too. Me too. So we're back and we got an awesome guest to have on, uh, a good friend of mine who I had the pleasure of meeting in person a couple weeks ago at High Caliber Camp in Virginia. Uh, welcome to Justin Justin Ofler from the Bear Naked YouTube channel. What's up, Justin? Hey, how's it going, fellas? It's going good. It's been well. It's been well. It's been a, a wild time, but it's good and we're very happy to have you as our first guest back of like the new the new season i guess you could call it <laughs> yeah I'm, i i think i should be honored to be the first guest after your break right like yeah that's something i think so that is something i don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say it anyway just so i feel better I, well i think so because like i mean you're you're an interesting maker and creative type because you're someone i've always like i morally wanted you on the show as well but like someone i thought was like oh we gotta get this guy on the show i mean i mean we've had like a twitter back and forth talking about football and everything happening happening in the nfl so that's been fun but yeah. through that i've been like following your work and it's been so fascinating to see all the variety of different maker projects that you do from like woodworking to you know other projects to you making a whole pen with just like nuts and bolts <laughs> there's a lot to dive into there so yeah thank you for you know taking your time to be on the show and this is gonna be fun yeah yeah thanks for having me and before we dive in too deep um why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are? So I'm Justin, like you said. Um, I'm in Minnesota. And so I, I started woodworking with like probably a project that you shouldn't start. Well, not probably. Absolutely a project you should not start woodworking with. Um, my friends and I were playing Dungeons and Dragons around a table that was entirely too small in our basement. So I was like, well, I can, I can make us a better table. I found a blog online. This was like. 2010 that walked through how they built a a gaming table with slide out drawers, slide out cup holders, all this stuff. I had no idea how to do any of it, but I was like, I can figure it out. So I borrowed a circular saw from my grandpa. And then in our basement here, I started going to work and like I cut now knowing what I know now, this shouldn't have worked. Like I cut dados with a circular saw. Um, They weren't straight by any means, but (laughs) they worked the table functioned as a table. When I was done with it, it was heavy as like a block of concrete like just a huge block of concrete just with how it was constructed but i mean it worked and then it was just kind of a rabbit hole from there i dabbled and then just kind of dove in and started making stuff so wow and then you also decided not just that you wanted to woodwork but that you wanted to make videos about the things you made yeah that was after seeing other people do it like after so after i made that table um it was a couple of years, but I found Steve Ramsey on YouTube 
of course, I think that's where a lot of woodworkers who are just getting into it start is they find Steve Ramsey and then he walks you through a lot of stuff. Um, and then I just kind of spiraled into YouTube from there. Before that, I don't think I watched YouTube really. Like I knew it was there, but I never really sought anything out on YouTube. I was like, I don't need to watch videos on the internet. I have a TV. You know, which <laughs> completely backwards. But um, so after watching his videos and it wasn't until we moved to Arizona that like I kind of broadened my horizon of who I watched and I got into like Bob from I like to make stuff and David Picciuto and um, I don't know, some other people. And then eventually I was like, Oh, I think, I think I could do a video. Like it wouldn't be a bad idea. So I tried it and now like I'm, I wouldn't say I'm great at it yet, but I enjoy it at least. So I'm having fun with it. And I've definitely changed my style of video three or four times because I still don't know what I want to do. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's a great story and hearing about, that's one thing that's like a common thread line through all these episodes, how people just went for it. Like they didn't spend too much time thinking about or planning for mm -hmm. it. They just dove right in and saw what happens. And it sounds like you started with that, just going right back to your maker projects and making that table and all the way to your videos. That's one thing that I find really cool because like I was I've been doing like a really big deep dive into your videos going all the way to the beginning up until now and seeing the evolution of that style is always so fascinating for me to watch to see how a creator or a maker or any someone from any artistic discipline just grows over time. When mm -hmm. one and like you talk about like you don't have like a defined style style yet. That's one thing that's so I really one of the aspects I really like about your channel is that there is no hard to find style. Like you see so many YouTubers that do have like their style kind of built in kind of like to their brand, so to speak. And they keep doing it over and over and over again because it works and, you know, it's to retain their audience or whatever. But I like how your videos are so dynamic from one to the next. That's one thing I noticed is that a lot of your videos either have um, you hosting them, you talking to the camera, to the audience, there's narration or you just let the music kind of like define the video as we, as we see you put together these projects. So yeah, just tell me about that. Like how do you approach it from that standpoint? Since like I'm a media production filmmaker nerd. So <laughs> tell me about that. Like in terms of like how you approach your videos, like uniquely individually in that way. Well, so honestly it happens on accident because like I, I normally will go, I'll put out a few videos in a row not like in a row in a row, but like in a, in a month time, I'll put out a few videos, but then sure. it might be two months before I put out another video. And in that gap, I question everything I've done. Like, should I have done voiceover? <laughs> Maybe I should not do voiceover this time. Should I be on camera? I don't know. So then when I get off of one of those slumps, I decide, okay, I'm going to be on camera. So I start being on camera for like the next few videos, but then it, like I go back to where there's a break and it's like, I don't really want to be on camera or I'll just forget to film an intro where I needed to see something before, you know, like the before shot. So it's like, well, I can't really, yeah. mm. I can't really jump on camera now and like not be weird about it. So like, I just end up, okay, right. this one's just going to be like a, a music video where I just do music. And like, if there's anything that needs to be said, I'll do a voiceover. But I think it's been a while since I did a voiceover. Normally now, if I'm talking, I'm going to be on camera. Yeah, it's more of your earlier videos. I, I saw yeah. one where, um, where you make the uh, candy cannon launcher. Okay. Yep. That was just about a year ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, that's actually how like the first video of yours I watched and I found oh. it funny how there's, you do a little, one of those neat little effects where like you're standing on one side talking to the camera while like you're like on the other end on the right hand side of the screen, like putting it together. I like that. It was fun. <laughs> I was so happy when I figured out how to do that and that it yeah. worked. Like it was cause I had known how to do it for a while. I was just like, I need to plan out so I can actually have a shot that works to right. do it. So then it was like, okay, I have to be very careful. Like, don't move the camera. Don't move myself like where I'm going to be in frame in the other shot. You know, it's so I, I was super happy when I edited it together and it actually looked like I wanted it to. And then I posted, I think, just that that part of that video on my like, Facebook page. And I'm just yeah. like, look, there's two of me. And <laughs> my wife saw it. She's like, how did you do this? And it was like, I'm just magic, you know, <laughs> like Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true, though. It's funny how, like, you did a great job with that, by the way. Killed it. But as yeah, someone who does media production and lives and breathes all this stuff, it's fantastic. But 
Yeah, it's funny how so much of our style doesn't just come from like what we plan or aspire to do, but from pure necessity based on the situations that we're in and all those little making all those little minuscule details Mm -hmm. line up the way that we want them to. Because mm-hmm. even for me, that it still happens. Like, ah, oh, this didn't turn out the way that I, the way that I wanted it to. Like, you're going through the footage, but then you start putting it together in the context of the edit. It's like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, this is fantastic. You know, and it's just <laughs> it's, it's very motivating when those sparks happen, yeah. and you can't plan them. Yeah, I sometimes think though, with that, it's like, is it actually fantastic, or are we just now telling ourselves that because we need to be like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I messed it up, but look, it's great. <laughs> we need the motivation to get right. through <laughs> to the end. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like it's it's good to accept that like those cool like creative nuggets that you come across in a process a lot of times are better than the ones that you plan on. Like I've had that happen all the time. I you like almost all the time the video is not as good as the original picture I have in my head. Especially Absolutely. if like when I conceive of the project, I also conceive of how I want the video to look, which isn't always the case, but sometimes it's the case. Like I think of a project and then the project seems to speak to me of a certain vibe of a video. And when that happens, the video is never as, as good as that, but those things come up. And sometimes those, um, things you discover in the process, like end up becoming a defining feature of it, which is really cool. And it's one of the reasons I like making videos is because like the project isn't done once you make the final product there's still like so much more creativity you can add in the video production process. It's actually like this plywood fountain that I made, like didn't really work in the way I originally conceived. In fact, it like it's almost a failure, but it's still going to make a really cool video, <laughs> which I'm ecstatic about. <laughs> I mean, just the video like that you have, I don't know if it was a reel or a video on it, whatever it was of just the water rippling down it. Yeah. Like, just that is super satisfying. So like you can yeah, just Yeah, that made like the 50 hours of work and, worth it. That, that yeah. 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's funny. I mean, I'm curious to ask you because like you're both from, you know, because once you make your videos, that's like a whole different part of the projects that you're making. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is to both of you. Like, how do I say it? Is it like when you, like, do you also have those moments as you're actually making something? Like you have it already in your head how you can put something together or is it, like, do you have those moments as well as you're putting something together? You go, oh, well, if I just do this and this will change it in a way that from what I was thinking of, and it could be something totally different and new and fun, or is it a lot more meticulous and you have to be very, very detailed and analytical about how you're putting something together, whether it's like a woodworking project or metalworking or leather or so on and so forth. So I'll say for I'll, me... I'll let you go first, Justin. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> I was going to go first anyway. Um, there you go. for me a lot of the times when that happens i just like it's because i didn't do the meticulous planning ahead Mm. i i so i guess that's not entirely true i will plan ahead so i will think ahead and i'll be like okay i need to do this and then this and then this but then it's like as soon as i get out in my garage to do this and then this and then this i immediately skip to that third thing because that was the last mm. thing in my mind. So like, okay, I did that. And it's like, oh, crap. Now, like, this, now I have to find a way to do those other two things that I skipped because I just jumped right to this thing and I'm in a pickle. So like, that's, that's part, it's, it probably saved me a lot of time if I actually followed through on my thought and did it this way, you know, but I feel like a lot of my projects that I'm happiest in the end with are the ones where it's like, okay, I messed up this, which made me have to go back and fix these things. But because I fixed those things now, it's a lot better to me. Like it might not be technically correct, but at least it it looks cooler. And I think when you're making a video about it, it, I think it keeps it interesting. People are like, oh, he, because like, especially talking to Vincent Ferrari, um, with a couple of my videos, he he has said, he's like, I'm, I'm watching your video and I'm like, why are you doing that? Stop doing that. You're doing that wrong. And then I, you know, I fixed the problem or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, that worked out. So like, it's just kind of an yeah. accidental entertaining boost in the video. Yeah, it kind of creates that sense of like, unpredictable nature it's like well it's like here i'm making this thing from beginning to end it's like oh how what is he going to do with this now where, where is it where is this gonna go i want to i want to stay on that for a second before i give my answer because this was something i noticed 
uh, like in your work, when we were working side by side at High Caliber Camp, we were each making forged cleavers, learning blacksmithing. And you have a lot of experience on the lathe um, mm-hmm. and you were making your handle. And I was standing across from you in Austin's workshop and you were using a little pointy tool to make stripes in your handle and they were burning. They were turning like black. And I was like, oh, that looks really cool. And then you stop. You're like, yeah, I didn't realize that was going to burn, but then it started happening and I kind of just went with it. Mm-hmm. And you kept doing that throughout the project. Like something would happen and you would seemingly really lean into it in the creative process. Like when you're bending over the tang of your handle, it wouldn't go one way. And so we're like, well, try, let's maybe try bending it the other way. And it looks really, really cool. And then even Austin realized, he's like, I guess there's not really any reason why you have to bend it that way. Like that, because his, I think his initial response when you're like, can we just bend it this way was no. But then he's like, oh, actually, yeah. Like, yeah. And there's that was not really any reason not to. <laughs> I didn't realize that everybody else's had bent, like been bent over the same way. I just assumed people just, you know, grabbed the hammer and swung it in a direction and that's the way it bent over. I thought, you know, it, I didn't care which way it bent as long as it bent over like it was supposed to. So, and then everyone was like, oh, you did a side bend on your tang. And I was like, I don't know. I just bent it over. Like I just did what I had to do to finish the thing. So, and now it's like, oh, it's super creative. It's like, yep, I, I'm super creative because I did what I had to do to finish this project. Well, I think what it is, is like you, you, in a lot of ways to me, like you have you have a like a artist's mentality that isn't very anxious. It seems like you're really good at like going with the flow and not getting too attached to your original plan and just be like, mm-hmm. oh, that thing happened. Now we're going to do this. And it tends to result in like really cool end products. I, like I think back to um, the first Mystery Maker collab like a year ago <laughs> and you made that like ocean like pirate box, right? Yeah. Yep. From the epoxied pieces. And yeah. that like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that seemed like almost entirely an improv, like most of the project. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I had no idea if it was going to work. And it like, was like so cool looking. <laughs> yeah. That is like one of my favorite projects. And I was so upset that I had to send it back to Jacob. Like I was like, yeah. I just want to keep this box so bad, but you know, <laughs> the rules yeah, the we'll, rules. Put a, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Cause this is an audio medium. Um, <laughs> but like it, um, yeah, it was uh that that's why I thought that whole collaboration project was really cool because it allowed people to like really step outside their comfort zones. Like you sent me colored tongue depressors wrapped in llama cloth, which I didn't originally realize was <laughs> part of the uh objects. I thought you were just using it as like packaging. Oh, well. <laughs> so I didn't really fully realize I could have used that in part. Um but anyways, it's a side that it was a very good project for like developing creativity in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and conversely, I feel like I get a little attached to my original plans. I think I'm able to deviate from them like to a certain extent. But like I in my filming, I definitely film way too much because I I basically feel like, well, I'm going to film every step of it and then I'll just cut it down afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I... I relate to a lot of what you're saying about your filming process, but I feel like I, I try to like get everything so I can either use it or not in the final edit. Mm-hmm. But then something happens where it was like in this fountain project. It's so interesting. Like if I'm doing a handheld shot, I very rarely zoom in the camera or I guess change the focal length would be a more proper way to speak about mm-hmm. it. But I like tried that. And and I'm talking about like if I'm filming something that's within maybe like four feet. So usually I'll just get closer with the camera. But in this project, I tried just zooming in like with the, with the lens on my, on my G85 and it looked so cool. And I was like, wow, why do I never do this? This is a great way to get like a beautiful cinematic shot. And so I ended up just (laughs) spending like 10 minutes just like playing around with that. And then in the end, I was probably gonna use 10 seconds of that footage. I ended up with 10 minutes. Um, but I try to really watch out for those like those visual, those new visual things that I come across because like I think a lot of us, we're not primarily filmmakers. We're kind of using right. film as a way to to share our work. Um so I know I, like Ryan, you could probably tell me why that focal length does look way better. And I should always be adjusting my focal lengths <laughs> for the shot. <laughs> but usually I'm like, that thing looks too small. I should zoom in so it looks bigger. 
<laughs> just let me like write my 90 page thesis on why it's a good idea but <laughs> yeah it's like zooming in zooming out. i mean that's i mean that's part of the fun right and that's one of the best things about like the whole maker community on youtube from what i watch is that like not every video needs to be this very high production value with perfect lighting and perfect you know shots or cinematography so on and so forth like it like what i like about watching maker videos is that it feels very um, how do I say it? it's like very like very tactile like you feel like you're there in the workshop like it's you know like as you're putting these projects together because you know making is you know you gotta cut things you gotta screw them in you know that's a lot of you know can be a big you know it can be not, not I don't say it, like a mess but you know you're working through different materials and your workshop defines that right or wherever wherever your workspace is and your videos reflect that in a way that makes it feel a lot so authentic to the experience of what you're seeing like it's not how it's made. It's not the Discovery Channel. It's you know, it's like a lot more personalized and and like seeing that reflect in each individual maker in their own way is so it's part of the fun of seeing this come together. Yeah, I very much relate to the tactileness of it being appealing in the videos themselves. Like, I always love when like Jimmy Duresta like throws stuff on the ground, and yeah, I do that a lot of my videos because I think it's a great effect. Like, and I even do it. Uh, when I was working at this off-grid lodge of the Rockies, I was like, we don't throw stuff on the ground enough. Like we got to throw things on the ground. <laughs> I'd make it a point to like finish a cut and drop it on the ground. And my buddy would be like, why are you doing that? I'm like, it's so satisfying. You just finish a cut and you let it fall. Yeah. You should have like a video where like every cut's just like you throwing something on the floor or, or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a great transition throughout. That's a great idea. I think so. I think so. You two can fight about it. You know, I'm not going to be building a birdhouse anytime soon, but <laughs> by all means, go ahead. But it's uh, it's it's fun and like yeah, because it would feel very out of place to see like a like a maker video would look very glossy. I mean, I mean, it will look really cool and really nice, but having that tactile, grounded nature, that grittiness is is such a big part of the appeal. I, I would imagine. Yeah, and I've seen people move their channels to very highly produced sliders lots of effects and stuff and it's mm -hmm. i think it has its place but it's uh i don't know you can only get so fancy with like showing a table saw cut to the point mm. where it feels like gratuitous you're like this is this is not a steven spielberg film like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally just showing cutting. like i've been there i've cut that piece of wood it's, it's cool i enjoy it but uh you got to sometimes pull it back a little bit, which is yeah, why I, I really love Jimmy DeResta's videos because it's, it is what it is, but it's very good storytelling. Yep. And like you mentioned, like the people that gloss it up a lot. Like I think of Evan and Caitlin because now they're, they're primarily an entertainment channel now. And when I started watching them, they were more of an actual like maker channel. Like it was more focused on the projects, but now like I don't watch a lot of their videos anymore. I still, think the projects that they do are awesome but the videos just aren't really my style of video i'm going to watch because it's more about the the wow factor and the, we're just kind of going to be goofy and that's fine like i'm all about being goofy i'm goofy too but yeah. like I'd, I'd much rather just watch you build the project than you know be silly and like do your skits and all that so yeah right it's and i'm probably it's probably like a kind of like a broad connection but like i see like a big parallel with like documentary filmmaking and independent filmmaking in the sense that like these are stories that like you know like the grounded nature the limits of your means helps define the style and the tone of the story that you're telling mm -hmm. like we're very spoiled in this day and age when it comes to documentaries especially like on netflix because they're so slick and well financed and produced but you know, documentaries and indie film, you know, come from like a much more gritty historical background. So like, and there's something when you watch a documentary that's very like, you know, made with like a low budget, it's so compelling seeing it, how they're able to take all the elements that they just have at their, at their disposal and tell a great story. That's mm -hmm. like a rabbit hole that I've been going down. Just seeing like how, like watching indie indie films from like the '90s, the '80s, seeing how people were able to make so much with so little is so motivating to me. Because we are very spoiled. Like you know, we don't have to spend like hundreds of dollars on film stock to get like these get these projects made. You know, now mm -hmm. we can just have digital cameras and load in an SD card and off you go. You know, there's no limits in that regard. 
still mm-hmm. challenges, but it's it's crazy how much easier it is now. Yeah. Yeah, it makes the it makes the pacing and the storytelling aspects like so much that much more important. And it's interesting because this the barrier to entry is lower, but because of that as well, like you don't have to spend, like you said, hundreds of dollars on film stock. It's a lot maybe this is an obvious statement, but like so it's easy to tell a long bad story. <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the like, yeah, there's no longer a barrier to entry, but like still building an audience is still very tricky and difficult, especially with algorithms that are impersonal and just kind of go with what the traffic is going with. But that's a whole different conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Justin, I want to hear, speaking of stories, the story of how you decided to use uh, your mug press as a food appliance. How did that idea come about? (laughs) So I I don't remember the exact details of the conversation. But generally speaking, um, we were on one of our Zoom calls with the Makers on Zoom having coffee group. And it was one of the night ones, so it was Makers on Zoom having cocktails. And Jay-Z from Just Might DIY had gotten her mug press. And so we were chatting about it and, you know, how nifty it was. And then um, Dean Duplantis. Maybe just for the, the lay people, can you explain what a mug press is and, like, approximately how it works oh yeah okay so for a mug press so like you have a coffee mug that you want to put an image on and so a mug press it it sublimates it use sublimation ink so it's an ink that prints and then the heat turns it into a gas which then like it gets into the surface of the mug so it's not something that's going to wipe off or peel off it's like actually part of the surface of the mug now so the mug press the cricket mug press which is what i have uh, is essentially just a fancy version of one of those where there's heat that wraps around the mug, and then there's, it's essentially like a clamp, like a like a blood pressure machine. Mm. Like you press a thing, and it kind of clamps around the mug, heats up to 400 degrees, and then there's a little timer on it that goes off automatically when it's done. You unclamp it, pull the mug out, super hot, but you got an image on your mug now. So it's like a, it's a cricket product, so it's made for crafters and the like. So huh. Jay-Z got hers, and she was showing it off. They did a video on it. And Dean suggested that, you know, it's, it heats up and it's like that. So wouldn't it be awesome if you got like a hoagie, put some cheese in there and just made yourself a a grilled cheese, like right there in your, in your mug press. (laughs) You have a vertical grilled cheese when everyone else is messing around with square grilled cheeses. So, but she was no way, no, I'm not putting food in my mug press. This, I need to use this for my business. There was no way she was going to do it. So we were talking that somebody needs to do it. Like, Somebody needs to do this because it's a brilliant idea. And, you know, you're just going to print money with all the YouTube ad revenue that you get from making this video. So, um, Dean, like in the in our Discord group over the next few days, people were posting, you know, oh, there's no mug presses in my area. There's no mug presses in my area. And I live in a smaller area. So I went to Michael's up in Mankato and there was a shelf full of mug presses. Full. There was like three. But it was like, I could, I could make this a reality. I could do this. At the time, though, I just didn't have the extra money. It was like, this is a silly thing to drop the $200 or whatever on to just make a grilled cheese, you know? So a couple weeks went by, and I had told my wife this story, too. And she just thought it was utterly ridiculous. Like, the dumbest thing ever. Hilarious, <laughs> but the dumbest thing ever. Um, and so while this was all going on, sadly, like, our dog had died suddenly um from bloat i guess it's a thing happens at older dogs so we were sad about Mm -hmm. that and she wanted to get a new puppy almost right away and i was like no i don't think i want to get a new puppy right away you know i'd much rather wait um and she jokingly said that you know if i let if if i let her get a new puppy she'll buy me the mug press and i was like that's nice but no like it's still not about the mug press or that it's about you know we just lost the one dog. I don't know if I'm ready to, you know, go through all that. A um, couple weeks pass, and she just slowly wears me down into getting a new dog. And so I found one on Craigslist that's adorable. She's awesome. Delilah, she's half Border Collie, half Blue Healer. Mm. Cool dog. Um, but when I agreed to get her, I jokingly said, so you're going to get me that mug press now, right? And she was 100% <laughs> like she was totally on board with doing it. And I was like, awesome. So... Yeah, I, I got the mug press, and I didn't tell anybody, though. Like, in our Discord group, 
I think I might have DM'd Dean and let him know just because it was really his idea. Um, but like, so in the background now, I'm working on this, and I like I gotta nail this video and make it awesome because like it's gonna be hilarious. And so like in the background, I'm working on I'm trying different bread, different cheese. I bought some mug cakes that you normally make in the microwave to try those out. <laughs> uh, so I was like, I gotta like I just gotta do this and do it right. And yeah, so it took a while to figure out like how to do it and how to shoot the video was my biggest concern because that it was I wasn't making a project. Like I had no idea how to film this, like how to film me doing stupid things with this thing that should not be doing these things that it's doing. It's like I don't know what to do. So it was like, you know what, just be yourself. Like you're that's all you can do. If you try to force a personality like in this video, it's just gonna come off stupid and cheesy and nobody's gonna like it. So I was like, all right, I'm just gonna be my my weird self. Sorry to Jeff, a weird guy. Um I'm also weird. I just don't have it in my name. So I was like, I'm, I'm just going to dive in and do it. And yeah, the I think the video came out great for what I was expecting. And I don't know, I've all, I haven't made grilled cheese in it since then. But the fact that I can is that's the important part. And that I dropped this video out of nowhere on our group. Just they they all thought it was awesome. And it by far is like my best performing video in the first 24 hours. Like no other video I've posted has come close to getting that many views that quick. But then it, it kind of plateaued. <laughs> so it's not that great, but it's the initial reaction was what I was hoping for that everybody just thought it was awesome. Even like my friends and family that don't normally watch my videos. Cause what do they care? Like uh, some of them shared it and just thought it was hilarious. So it's that really made it That's worth great. it. <laughs> worth the $200 that my wife paid. That's incredible. So, have you made any mugs in it or it's been solely for food? I have. Um, I made one. So I actually made a mug first just because I wanted to tell my wife that I used it for what it was supposed to be used as. Uh, and then this is this mug that I made in it with my, uh, I make stuff with my bare hands t-shirt design. Um, it's been the mug I've used in the videos too, to make stuff. So the, the design is actually wearing off because as it heats up, it wears out the ink or whatever. But yeah, I've used it. I made camping mugs for um, Marion, a creative ward for her camper mm-hmm. with her camper logo mm-hmm. on them. And then just earlier, I got another mug commission. So, I mean, I can do it. I can make mugs, but why would I make mugs with it when I can make grilled cheese and um, uh, brownie mug cakes? And I have my next video is planned. And I think it's another one where it's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this off because it's a very different style of video. But like just the vision I have for it, I'm so excited to do it. But it's going to take a lot of like planning and work behind the scenes to actually get it done. So look forward to that probably next year by the time I get around to it. <laughs> Videos are hard. They take time to make, but mm-hmm. go for it, man. I love to see that. I mean, you could even do like a whole, like one with like, it's just like a buffet all like with all, with just like the mug press machine, <laughs> all different types of things you could do with it. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I, I, mean, I imagine for... too, like, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just gonna say, I asked like in the video, I asked for suggestions of what to do. And that's, I'm going to mm-hmm. go back to that. Cause one of the main ones was popcorn. So I made a video about trying to pop popcorn in it. Um, oh yeah 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 i won't spoil the video of whether or not it worked or not but um, <laughs> that's that's why i went with popcorn because a lot of people suggested even people like uh my mother-in-law wanted to know if it could do it because she makes popcorn like old school style on the stove so she was like if it gets hot enough it should work and i was like i agree it should work so i wanted to try it out i got popcorn from her so it was the loose stuff and not just like i didn't want to cut open a bag of microwave popcorn so but i've still got written down somewhere the list of all the other suggestions that i had so i can go back to that well Right, right. What are what are some of your favorite types of projects to make or specific materials that you like to use? Like, is there a certain space that, that you really just love to dive into? So I, wood is the thing I prefer working with because that's what I have the most experience with. Uh, right, the one that started it all. Yeah, and like if I need just a project, like a, a quick win, like I haven't made something in a while and I want to make something, uh, my lathe is my go-to for that. Like I love having that thing just because... There's a, quite a few different projects. If it's pens, bottle openers, like keychains, if you have the stuff for them, that you can just throw a chunk of wood on there, half an hour, and you've got a completed project. So, like you, hmm. you might end up with pins laying around your house everywhere that you have no idea what to do with, but at least you know you have <laughs> you have projects you can do. Right, right. This is good to know. <laughs> yeah, that pen, the pens that you brought to uh, high caliber camping gave out. Like that's the first. I think it's the first turned pen I've ever had, and it is 
really nice. I've been using it like every day. Um, Thank you. Yeah. That's- it's funny though. I, I did not get like sucked into the lathe. Like I feel like a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I just didn't go into it with a plan. And I found that like, it's very easy to like quickly take off too much material. And then you're like, yeah. Oh, well now this won't really work. Mm-hmm. This whole thing is different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a really cool craft that I, I would like to do more and like more. Um, but that's a really cool aspect of it that like, you don't need, you don't need glue. You don't need to screw things together. You don't need to multi-part assembly. It's like a single monolithic object that is mm-hmm. really pretty in it brings out the characteristics of whatever you choose to turn. Yep. And there's so many different things you can do with it, like different projects. If you, Even if you have a smaller lathe, there's still a lot of different projects you can do with it. So, like, and different ways you can do them. Like, I haven't explored it much, but you can do, like, um, off-center turning, where instead of having it, like, perfectly center, like, you get it round, and then you move, like, the one end of it just slightly off-center, so then it's got a wobble to it as you turn it. But then as you turn, like, one area, when you get done, there's just, like, a I don't know, kind of like a cove in just one part of the wood. And then, like, mm-hmm. you can, if you plan it out right, you can do it to where it's, like, got offset on, like, four different faces. Like, you have different rounded-off parts. It's hard to describe. But, like, if you just look at off-center turnings, like, you can do really cool things with just one little change to how you're using your lathe. Nice. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And I think when we were there, too, Austin was showing us, like, on his metal lathe, how you can like achieve all these other things with off center turnings with it seems like a whole other can of worms. Yes. That like having, having used hand tools on a wood lathe, like I'd love to learn the metal lathe, but seeing it and being like, wow, that is, that is a lot to figure out. <laughs> yeah. Like it just seems like there's 10 different like crank wheels on it that you will have to work at all at the same time somehow. Like, I know that's not probably the case, but it just seems like there's a lot going on there. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I'm not coordinated enough to use all these things at once. <laughs> I was hoping that he would give us a, like, and maybe he didn't, I missed it, but just like a quick demo of using that just so I could, in my brain, be like, oh, okay, so it's not as complicated as I think it is. Yeah. I mean, humans humans do it. Many uh, humans who aren't geniuses, so I'm sure it's not the craziest thing in the world. <laughs> it's that, it's that, uh, intimidating nature where it's like there's more levers here than i have arms <laughs> yeah and i there's no way i can be expected to use all of them at the same time <laughs> right and it's like oh no i need to, how do i okay i guess i'm just gonna shut down emotionally now and live in a cave <laughs> so goes the creator struggle yeah so how i mean we touched on this a little bit about the videos but how has being part of the maker community influenced your work and you know the connections that you've made and how has that helped you really just grow as a maker as a video creator and just maybe even as a person so i'm like if if somehow this community were offline like i would have to interact with those people in person there is absolutely no way i would be an active part of this community like my I like, I have like social anxiety issues, you know, like I think a lot of us do. Um, and mm-hmm. that's why we escape to the internet. So it's a good thing this community is on the internet for us. But just being able to like post, when I started posting to Instagram, I had no idea what to expect. Like I was barely on Instagram for my own personal use before that. So like I right. barely knew how to use it. I just saw that some of the people I followed like on YouTube would talk about Instagram. So I was like, well, maybe I should start posting there. So I did. And like, before I knew it, I had a hundred followers and I was like, that's crazy. Like these are people, wow. I have no idea who they are. Well, like 80% of them, I had no idea who they are. Cause I'm sure I had 20 <laughs> friends and family that followed me. But like at that time it was, it was supposed to be, my wife and I were doing this together. Like we were both going to do bare naked. She was going to do like knitting and crocheting and stuff. And we were going to have cooking and like, it was going to be all this stuff. Um, yeah. Like a, like a variety channel almost. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, neither of us could, like, understand, like, why it was popular. Like, and so the original plan was that my wife and I were going to do Bear Make It together. Like, we came up with the name together, um, and we were just going to, like, we were going to have cooking, and she does knitting and crocheting. We were going to have that, and then she had started painting, and we were going to do, like, feature that on there. Pretty much anything we made, either one of us, we were going to feature on there. Um, So when we got, like, that first 100 followers, it was like, this is crazy. Or like when we got 
12 people to like our blog post on our website. It was like, what? Who, these strangers like the things that we typed. So it was nuts. And then like, as I started paying more attention to Instagram and noticing like, oh, people that are liking our photos, like it's some of the same people, I should go follow them and see what they're up to. So then, and like that, of course, gets you down the rabbit hole because then you start following them and then they do like a follow Friday and it's like, oh, they think this person's cool. I'm going to follow this person. Mm. And like before I knew it, I was following like 200 people and I was like, okay, I can't manage this. I don't know. You know, I, <laughs> I can't see all this. It, now I'm following more than that. So it's like naive little me then. But um, <laughs> you just like, I just started noticing who was actually like commenting more than just like a thumbs up or whatnot. And like Ethan Carter, from Ethan Carter Designs. Um, he was like one of the first people I remember like engaging with like in DMs and stuff after like we each kind of liked each other's posts. Like he posted a thing. I think it was, he was making something when he was on vacation in Sedona, which we were living in Arizona, not that far from Sedona. So I think I just messaged him. I was like, hey, I've been there, you know, whatever. Uh, and so we've become buddies. Uh, we met in person at WorkbenchCon. It was cool to actually, you know, meet an internet person in real life. And like just it's such a strange community when you think of the internet like and everybody's always like oh it's a toxic place and you know everybody's terrible but when you find the right community for you like everybody's awesome and like they're accepting and if you need feedback they give you feedback if you're open to take the criticism like they give you that knowing that you're going to take it in stride and get better from it they're not trying to bring you down it's just like oh hey that's awesome um, here's what I've done in the past to do this thing slightly different and get better results. So like nobody's really dogging you. And if they do, they don't make it in the community very far because everybody else is like, nope, you're done. We're not going to interact with you anymore. So for me, just having that community where I can like be myself, but also I don't have to like work up the nerves to go talk to someone face to face and like get worried about, you know, Am I bothering them or whatnot? If I comment on your Instagram post, you can completely ignore it. I don't have to worry if I'm bothering you or not. But like, <laughs> if like if Morley and I didn't know each other, like, and that's why I think High Caliber Camp was cool too. Because if I didn't know anybody there, it would have been very hard. Even with just the fourteen of us that were there, it would have been very hard for me to walk up and say, "Oh, that's a cool thing," even though I know it's a cool thing and it's a compliment. Like, but mm. Right. I don't I don't think even there I walked up to anybody and I said, Oh, that's a cool thing. I made some sarcastic, like smart remark about something else because that's who I am. And these people know that because we've interacted so much. So like it's totally cool for me and Ben from Make for Life Workshop to totally just drag each other down every chance we get because that's that's <laughs> our friendship. That's how we get along get along. And we both know that we think each other are awesome. So like it's yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to describe for me because it's like especially going back to my childhood moving around a lot like I have a few friends or I had a few friends that I had for a while but like I don't really mm-hmm. know anybody from my childhood anymore outside of my family so being able to have like friends now that I've talked to and interacted with for over a year on a regular basis like for me is awesome because even when I go to work and stuff I don't if I don't have a reason to go up to somebody and talk to them, I, I avoid it at all costs. Like, it's just, I'm like, nope, I'm not going to people today. So just having yeah. a group of people, even a small knit group of people is, is amazing. Yeah. Hmm. I sometimes, um, forget, this is going to sound kind of out of touch, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I kind of forget that people use Instagram for reasons other than like looking at other people's work. If that makes sense. Like a lot of people use Instagram just like post pictures of themselves and random scenery and food. Oh yeah. Um, and I was I was like having drinks with a couple friends, and guy mentioned like being like addicted to Instagram, and he was like off it for two weeks. And to myself, I'm thinking like, but like you don't even like you, you don't do any craft that I know of. Like what are you even taking <laughs> pictures of? And I'm like, oh yeah, people like also take pictures of <laughs> of random things and post them to Instagram too. Yeah. It's weird. Such a, <laughs> It is such a powerful niche. Like, I guess I won't say like the maker community, but just like people posting their whatever they make on mm-hmm. on Instagram. So I'm curious because I'm. I think I just recently started following you, Ryan, and I mm-hmm. I, I haven't been on Instagram a lot recently at all um, for <laughs> filmmaking stuff. Like, is Instagram a good platform for that, or do you not really share much about? filmmaking on there because it'd have to be a shorter 
like just a clip or whatever um like in terms of like kind of like are you talking about in terms of like kind of promoting or is it yeah, kind of like connecting yeah. with other like, filmmakers and that sort well, of I thing? I guess both. Yeah. Well, promoting, I mean, Instagram's always great for promoting, right? Because like I like, that's one thing I like do, making my documentaries morally and all that, like doing his interview, like I like doing behind the scenes photos always finds really fun to do because, mm-hmm. you know, you're capturing this moment that you're putting so much painstaking work into and then having that, being able to share that, you know, give a little peek behind the curtain kind of, you yeah, know and- show what what it's like so it's it's fun that way like my instagram that i use is like more of a personal instagram okay like you know like i use it to post pretty pictures that i think are pretty pictures you know <laughs> of like my travels because like i like doing nature photography and all that stuff and just you know like i'm not gonna do photography for people where it's like posing and stuff like i just like capturing moments that are interesting yep whether it's like in nature or out in the city or something if i see mm-hmm. something that's very eye-catching in the moment. I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta catch up. Like, they're totally unplanned, so. Yeah. Um, but, like, just to go back to about filmmaking, I mean, it's, in terms of, like, connecting with filmmakers, I haven't found it there as much. Like, you see some people showing off the works, but in terms of actual connection, maybe I just haven't, you know, used it enough yet in that way, because, like, I'm kind of, like, on and off it. Like, I post maybe three times in a month and then I disappear for three months. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, I'm not very consistent. That's one thing I have to maybe keep up at, but yeah, it's just more so for when it comes to interacting with filmmakers. I found that places such as Twitter and Reddit are much better for that because there's a lot, so much discussion that goes into it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's fun. Like, you know, you can like, like someone's trailer or, you know, photo or, you know, screen image, screen garb, uh, you know, that they post, but when it comes to like really talking about process and what you do and how did you do that? Because filmmakers are always like, how the hell did you do that? I've been trying to do that for like seven years and you just did it like this with like, you know, with like barely any money. How did you do this? So a lot of it comes to like, you know, like Reddit, I found has been a fantastic place for interacting with other filmmakers. I mean, I mean, from all parts of production, like writers and, you know, cinematographers, um, you know, sound designers, you know, editors people who do color correction like from like that wide spectrum because everyone from 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 filmmaking has a different strength even though you could do many of the things like everyone's strength is just very different like i've interacted with like directors even just yesterday like who's (laughs) my into the spotlight at the end you know just being able to have those little interactions and ask questions um twitter spaces clubhouse especially has been huge like this summer i've been on like dozens of them with filmmakers like me and others who have had success on film festivals and you know screenings and such so it's a little different in that way but maybe with instagram because i still i there's still i still have a lot of work that i want to make (laughs) you know films are very hard to make orson wells has a very good quote where he says like when you're making a film and this is from 80 years ago but still applies today when you're making a film the most of the time you're not making the film you're trying to organize people and mobilize them to help you make the film or you're trying to find money to make the film (laughs) so like and i've been in that like i'm back in my hometown for now like like a lot of the films that i want to make and that's why i've been just spending a lot of time just writing you know, outlines and short stories and scripts is just that a lot of these sto- ideas that I've had in my head for years, like seven, eight, ten years, I'm just finally putting them out on the page and diving into those details. So like once I'm back in the city and I have all my wonderful, very talented friends who can help me make these and bring them to life, you know, it'll be a lot easier that way. Because like, I don't want like, and this has happened to me before, I don't want to get in this stuck in this trap where I'm trying to organize something and you're trying to move heaven and earth because you're not creating at that point anymore. Sure, you've done the research yeah. and you've done the planning and the outline and you feel really motivated and inspired. But if you're running into all of these logistical challenges with regards to money, and even it's not always money, but like, or equipment or just like finding collaborators who are just as motivated and determined as you are to, you know, take a few weekends and make something awesome that's harder it is very hard to do that especially mm-hmm. at this in the independent no budget level or low budget level so it's hard there's a lot of challenges that go into that that's why like sometimes <laughs> you like go on like I, people's imdb and they haven't made a film in a few years well it's hard it takes a lot of time there's a lot of moving parts and it's with other people and sometimes you have to have the stars align in a certain way that's why i've just been spending a lot of my time writing i can con- 
control that. I can build the whole worlds in a few paragraphs, and I love that. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I love characters. So I know I'm going off on a big tangent here, but <laughs> but you know, it's it's very different. But yeah, like I've used the internet for sure to create with other filmmakers, especially like on Twitter and Reddit and Clubhouse, and being able to have that back and forth dialogue where you can show someone work that you've done, or I'm planning to do this. How could I, you know, really do it in this way? Or if I want to make film this scene in this way. They will give you all those pointers. Like I was been able to connect with filmmakers who have had great success on the film festival surf, festival circuit, who have that sort of you know established presence or notoriety, and for them to kind of talk to you and really answer your questions about what it is that you do or how you're trying to succeed, and how it's like, oh, the, like my path isn't so dissimilar from theirs. Like that's very motivating. It's inspiring. Mm-hmm. You can see mm-hmm. like how you can. Like, I don't want to say make it because that's such a broad thing, but it's just like you can see how you can just create in a way the same way that they do. And you can reach a place where you can be happy with the work that you're doing. And that's just something I'm trying to do right now. And, you know, I'm very thankful for a lot of the people that already have, I know in my life, you know, such as Morally and others that, you know, who are awesome, great creative collaborators and people that I interact with online for advice. It's just, it's a nice balance. Yeah, I think kind of what you were getting at at the end of there is true like about a lot of things like and I, th- I think it might kind of tie into imposter syndrome whereas like you don't think like you think your your struggle is unique in that like everybody else made it some other way like mm-hmm. you know when you say they made it they got to where they are some other way but really like the basic steps are pretty much the same in most like paths to that so like when like people that are big in the makerspace, like Jimmy Dresden, and when they started, like they started like the same way. They just got started. They and they d- went through the same growing pains. Like they had to yep. learn how to do it. Some of them are doing it a lot longer. So like they're like those growing pains are farther in the mirror for them and the rearview mirror. But like it still happened. And like it reminds when I went to I went to Cleveland in 2019 for spring make. Like it was kind of a smaller maker thing. And right. Right. Laura Kampf was there doing a talk and she did questions at the end and somebody asked her, um, what do you, what would you tell yourself now? Like if you could look at yourself now getting started, what would today's version tell you? And mm-hmm. or something along those lines, she said that she would tell nobody knows what they're doing. Like no matter where they are, like everybody is still just figuring it out. Like nobody's right. perfect at what they're doing. Like everybody is on the same path, figuring out what they're doing. And that just takes all of it, like all the pressure off of it. It's like, oh, okay, so I can make mistakes. Like I can learn. Like I am free to do that. Having that bandwidth or that sandbox to make mistakes, to learn, to try, to grow Mm -hmm. is so important. And that's why when you look at people who are successful, like it kind of, kind it kind of tricks you thinking, well, they didn't have as many or failures that you know, because look where they are. Of course, they're successful because Mm -hmm. you know they're good, they're talented, and. But like even just even a few weeks ago, like I was chatting with a filmmaker in a Twitter space and he mentioned and he's this guy's like someone I look up to very, very much who I think is impressive, you know, beyond belief. And he talked about like one of his first films that he made and tried to put out to festivals when he was like, you know, you know, just after college. It didn't work out and gone to no festivals except his local one. And he says six people showed up. Two of them were his parents and it didn't go anywhere beyond that. And then the hearing that story was just like, oh my God, like it's, it kind of snaps you out of it a bit. In the sense like you're not no longer in like the, this tunnel vision of your own problems or struggles with your creative projects. It shows you that, oh yeah, everyone, everyone goes through the fire. It's just part of the deal with all this. So, mm-hmm. but when you hear that, it just, it's like a big 180. It's like, you know, you in the NFL Madden games, you get interception. The whole perspective changes in the moment. It's kind of <laughs> yep. like that. It's kind of like that. It's like, oh, wow. It's like a whole new way of looking at things. And it motivates you because, like, you know, you, like, you're not alone in this. And you can do great things, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as you keep that persistent effort. Yeah. It's also, I've noticed this a lot, like, when I listen to quote, successful people talk about their stories. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned in the rear view mirror, those pains grow fainter. And it's amazing how much people will gloss over like four or five years of like really tough times. They're like, yeah, and then I was working this job for a while and then I quit and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, whoa, 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 like that whole like five year 
trial you talked about is like where I am right now. <laughs> it's like going to the gritty nature of those at that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when people say like, oh, when there's an overnight success, they always ignore all the very hard nights of work that they put into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like, so I think earlier this year, like I, I had some great conversations on Clubhouse. I, I don't go on it at all anymore. Um, but one of the cool things I found through it was like, like kind of you mentioned those opportunities to like talk to someone who you really like up to. And when you get those moments of like, they say like some encouraging words to you or, or really understanding what you're going through is is incredibly powerful. I think that's one Mm -hmm. of the coolest things about that platform. Um, I have some other problems with it, but anyways, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Well, I think this is a great time to talk about what we're putting in the spotlight this week. And I'm going to kick it off because it has to do with exactly what we were just talking about. So um, a couple of weeks ago, Eden and I were looking for something fun and funny and just entertaining, but a good movie to watch. It's always hard, I feel like, when you're looking through Netflix for something to watch. We always spend like half an hour trying to find something only to settle on something that we're not super pleased with. But this was not the case. A couple weeks ago because we found this movie called yesterday i don't know if you guys have seen it It came out a couple years ago um i think i've heard it's a british yeah so it's a british movie um and there's like a global power outage and everyone in the world forgets the beatles except for this one guy who's like a struggling musician uh who's like really struggling to find success and he realizes that he's the only person in the world who remembers the beatles and so he decides hmm. that he's going to perform all the Beatles songs and see if that brings him success, which it does. And it's a very fun, um, it's a very fun movie. It's not like overly sweet or cloying or anything like that. It's just like, it's really great. It's very uplifting, even though it does have some tearjerker moments. Um, <laughs> it, it also has some like very like Edgar Wright vibes in the like fast cuts. Um, and so like when you're talking about like that changing perspective, like NFL cuts sort of thing, that's kind of what I was thinking of. So just filmmaking wise, <laughs> it's, it's like a pretty solid movie. Um, so yeah, I would um, definitely recommend it if you're looking for a cool thing to watch. I had never heard of it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, it's very similar to like the invention of lying. Um, right. Kind of like the whole thing is flipped. So yeah, yesterday on Netflix, hopefully it's uh, exists where you are. And if you don't, get a VPN and say you're in Canada because it's <laughs> at least on Canadian Netflix right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to watch that for a long time now because I saw that came out in 2019. I saw about 20 some movies in the movie theater that year. And that one was, I was one, one of the ones I wanted to go watch, but I was too busy making my master's thesis documentary. So I didn't have time oh, to go okay. see it. Yeah, I was like, came out right around that summer. So, but yeah, that's by Daniel Boyle, I think. So he has a, it's very it has that very you know he has a he has a very unique style oh, to his yeah. films. Yeah, so I've been wanting to watch that for a long time. And uh, oh, he made Train Spot. Oh, and Slumdog. Wow, this guy is some Slumdog good. Millionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty eight days later. Yeah, yeah, that's wow. him. That's all him, Daniel Boyle. Like train Spotting. He did Train Spotting as well. That has that. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, yeah, he he has that unique visual style, like going back to Train Spotting. So. It's a great film. I want to go see it. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was going to go watch it like a, like about a week ago. Then Squid Game came out, kind of took over my life for about a week. So <laughs> Yeah, if anyone is feeling too, uh, in, they're in a too intense state of mind from Squid Game, yesterday is like the polar opposite. <laughs> it's a good palate cleanser. I think I'll, I think I'll try it tonight. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Justin? What's your Into the Spotlight for this episode, for this grand return episode? This grand return. I'm actually going to put um, one of the other guys from our Makers on Zoom having coffee group in the spotlight. Dave Swiduck, specifically his show Mystery Minnesota. Because um, I think, so it's a podcast, so sorry for mentioning a competing podcast. But it's in a different I space. I don't think it's a kind of <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he, It's like totally original. Like he wrote the whole thing himself. He like narrates the whole thing himself he does different voices he does sound effects like the whole the whole deal and like i i think it's a really compelling fun well maybe not fun is a good word for it with the type of story it is but it's a it's a compelling story and like just the fact that 
he has put all this work into it. Like I can't even imagine like how much has gone into him getting it this far. And he's just starting the final season. And like, I think he's just doing an incredible job. So I, I think it deserves more ears on it. So I just want to like give him a, a shout out on that and that everybody should just go listen to it and tell him he's awesome. Awesome. That's really cool. That's awesome. I haven't, I admit I have not listened to it yet, but um, I think I might, I'm, I'm craving a story and that sounds really cool. Yeah. He's like, each episode is like, I don't even think it's half an hour. So like, and I don't think there's 10 per season and he's just started season three, which is the final season, I believe. So nice. it doesn't take long cool. to get through. That's another one to add to the list. My goodness. Mm-hmm. I will have time to get through all this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I guess that leaves me, doesn't it? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. All right. So for my into the spotlight for this episode, well, today is October 15th, 2021. And today just also so happens to be the release date of the newest film from one of my favorite filmmakers that, you know, that I've been watching his films for a long, for a long time. And one, like we're just going back to what we we're talking about, someone I've been able to talk to who's been so helpful to the film filmmaking community. And that is the American filmmaker Jim Cummings, who is uh, whose newest film comes out today, The Beta Test, and who is also came to notoriety and popularity with Thunder Road and The Wolf of Snow Hollow. So uh, Jim Cummings has been a big filmmaker in the indie space for about five or six years now. I've just recently discovered his films in the past year or so, and just seeing how he's been able to create such interesting narratives, short films and feature films, and kind of like trailblazing a new model with like crowdfunding for his films and such. But yeah, he's been he's a great filmmaker. He acts in his own films. If you can go check out his uh, short films, the original Thunder Road that he made for five thousand dollars on Vimeo, I highly recommend it. Wow! And yeah, yeah it's incredible. And uh, I won't, I can't. There's no way I can describe it without spoiling it. But watch that, and then watch the feature film where he adapts entire feature story from that short film. It's quite something. So how he's been able to act and direct in his own films is quite inspiring. And he's someone that I mentioned who's been on like Twitter spaces and clubhouse and just being so open and honest about his filmmaking experiences and the fact that he's going to such great lengths to help other filmmakers and just give them time to ask some questions, even my own questions, you know, I find it's very inspiring. It's very motivating for me as well. So yeah, check out Jim Cummings works. He's probably the most interesting one of the most interesting filmmakers in the independent scene in America right now. And uh, yeah, just a great, wonderful artistic personality as well. And yeah, thank you for all your help, Jim and good luck on the new film. And, (laughs) and yeah, just make sure you check out this stuff because it's, it's really interesting. If you want to see storytelling, that's a little different from Hollywood, but still well-made and well-produced with like great acting, you got to check it out. So I'm, I'm curious. Um, I'm looking him up right now and I'm seeing that he originally made Thunder Road as a short film and then they made a feature length film that was yep. based on it. So how do they compare? How do they compare? So so basically Thunder Road, here I'll just describe Thunder Road without saying what it's about. The Thunder Road short was made for like $5,000. They said it's in the church. It's one it's just like one single shot for like about 5 or 6 minutes or 7 minutes. I can't remember quite remember the length, but it all takes place in just that one scene. Okay, so mm-hmm. how it compares is that the feature film is about the same sort of um, that scenario, that scene is also in the feature film and it was him playing the same character, but they developed an entire story around that. So basically, uh, it's about this cop character that he plays that's about he basically sings a song at his mother's funeral in the short. And mm-hmm. they also use that in the they use that very critical scene to kick off the feature length story. And they built this whole narrative about, you know, family and intergenerational pain and so on and so forth. It's very, it's quite interesting. It's quite, it's also quite funny as well in its own ways, seeing, you know, someone who's in this position trying to, you know, basically become a better person, but doesn't quite know how it's quite amazing how he tells the story. So it's such a, it's such a great look as well to see how a short film goes to become a feature length story. That's cool. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, check it out. And like the and the, his short films are all on Vimeo for free to check out. So make sure you go make sure you go watch. Wow. Sweet. 
support indie film no <laughs> before it turns into a bumper sticker yeah well i feel like i need to like it's, it's not to draw this out but like i mean it as a non-filmmaker it's very easy to just only watch you know blockbusters and feature-length films and things that you yeah. find on netflix and overlook all the indie stuff <laughs> yeah well like and these and the funny thing is like this film was on netflix for a bit like it takes a little bit of digging to find these films because like across all the streaming services it's always like you know the big hits right the big cultural you know blockbusters so on and so forth or older films that have you know have a lot of popularity but it takes a little bit of digging and you'll find some really fascinating amazing stories that mm. you know are very you know they're very compelling and they'll draw you in and they're so personal these stories so it's worth it just to dig a little bit more to find these types of stories that are different, but just as good, if not better. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, Justin, thank you so much for coming on for our grand return. Thank you for having me. I feel so important. <laughs> you are so important. The return guest. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a fun conversation. I mean, for uh, an episode that us that were just kind of getting back into, you made it that much better and it was fun and it felt like nothing has changed and it's all fantastic and so thank you again for sharing your experiences how you've you know grown so much in the maker in the maker community has been awesome i'm looking forward to seeing more of your future work and just keep being awesome man i'm a i try every day (laughs) (laughs) looking forward to smashing some metal with you in the future yes absolutely need to do that again (laughs) take care man yep you too Goodbye, everyone. And we'll be back sooner rather than later. (laughs)